It's Tuesday, December 29th. Welcome to Market Forward. I'm Chris Hill. Joining me in studio today from Million Dollar Portfolio, Matt Argusinger and Jason Moser. Good to see you, gents. Hey, Howdy. Good to see Chris. Holiday week? Holiday week, yes. A short week here on Market Floor. It's just going to be a slightly shorter week because we got New Year's Eve. The, the market closes early on Thursday. The market closed on Friday. The holidays the first... are done, though, okay? I mean, like, it's, 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 oh, I don't know. People are moving on, right? Let's, people let's... are still in the, the, the mode. The holidays yeah. are done, which which means we've got some holiday results. Well, Christmas is done, I yes, guess. Not Chris, all holidays, Christmas is done. Yeah, New Year's Eve, very much a holiday, and we will get to that. <laughs> we will get to New Year's Eve in a little bit, but let's talk about who won Christmas. And there there appear to be a couple of winners in the investing space. And let's start with Amazon, who came out with the news that, among other things, Amazon added three million. That's an M. Three million new members to their Prime service the week before Christmas. And Jason, they never give the number. No, they don't. They never give the exact number. They said in the statement they referred to tens of millions. So we know it's at least 20 million. We can assume <laughs> it's probably more than that. But. Uh, I don't know. I was I was surprised that they added that many in a single week. If you had told me, oh, between Thanksgiving and Christmas they added three million, but three million in one week—that's that's that's quite nice. That's a lot. And you know, actually, Maddie and I were talking about this before uh, we came in here. And I don't know how you joined Amazon Prime. What what the situation was? It was it about was... this time of year. <laughs> well, I was going to say, like, I I we joined Amazon Prime. Our household joined Amazon Prime at, during. Christmas one year, and it was just that yeah. exact thing. Like, I mean, it was like December maybe twentieth, and I'm thinking, all right, I got to get my mom and dad something, and I'm not sure what I want to get them, and so I go search around on Amazon. I find all this cool stuff, and then I realize I could join Amazon Prime and have it get you know, directly there, gift wrapped, and everything. And that was the impetus. And and ever since, I mean, we've been we've been Amazon Prime members ever since, and it's been probably five years or so now. And you know, so I mean, people love to just sit there and make fun of Amazon stock valuation, whatever. Okay, we can have that discussion another time. I think it's futile, honestly. But to me, Amazon, you know, the the pot of gold at the end of their rainbow is Prime members. I mean, they do everything really in order to grow that Prime membership. Now, to put this in context, to get an idea, we don't have specifics, but Costco. Which is another wonderful business, lovely membership model. We hold both shares in in MDP. Uh, they have around forty five million or so member households. To give that some sort of idea of the opportunity, maybe for Amazon as far as Prime goes, I've seen projections out there where they have fifty million domestic already, a hundred million worldwide. Perhaps, perhaps not. I don't know. But I think that Amazon Prime is a far more compelling value. Um, all, all things included. When you, when you consider the, the shipping and the video and everything, um, I, the, the the value there is, is tremendously compelling. And I think that when you look at the forty five million or so member house, households that Costco has today, I, I I think that Amazon Prime membership market opportunity is significantly higher. Um, it, it, you know, especially when you consider like just the global implications. And you think maybe there are one hundred twenty five million or so mem- uh, households in the United States today. Um, I, I think that Amazon Prime is going to be kind of the the Costco for the new ages here in in the coming yeah I don't years. I, I wonder how long it will take maybe it'll take at least a few years but there might be a, a press release at some point from Amazon saying hundreds of millions of Prime <laughs> members even though they might still not at that point release the number we never know but I the, to me it's about 
the the scope of Amazon, and you know, so like I love this this in the in the release that Amazon had about the last Prime Now order that was delivered in time for Christmas. So it was delivered to uh, I guess a house in uh, San Antonio on Christmas Eve at 11:59 p.m. Um, but look at the look what the order included: blue buffalo dog treats, an Amazon <laughs> gift card, uh, the all new Fire tablet, fruitable dog treats. So there's a, there's obviously a dog or two in this household. The Lego Star Wars Death Star Final Duel building kit, which sounds really cool. A Moleskin Classic Notebook and Stovetop Stuffing Mix. Now, to me, <laughs> that right there is quintessential of what Amazon is about. I mean, it, it, dog treats, food, a notebook, Christmas gifts, a gift card, all from the same place, all delivered you know, with free shipping in time for Christmas. Yeah. It's a remarkable story. Well, and it's interesting because FedEx has been catching some heat for some shipping problems that they had, and people were complaining about that. And... It, FedEx, as a business, has done very well over the last few years. Certainly, the stock has done very well. Uh, and it seems like almost every other year, FedEx and UPS trade places with some type of snafu. These are, these are short-term blips for them, and they tend to rebound from them. But one of the things we've talked about on this podcast over the last couple of years with FedEx is the growth in their ground division and how the rise in e-commerce one of the hidden winners of the rise in e-commerce, just that trend. Forget about Amazon. Amazon's obviously a big part of it, but uh, just oh, e-commerce yeah. in general. Overall, right. One of the hidden winners is FedEx, and you see that in the, the ramping up that they're doing in their ground delivery. But as we've talked about recently, you look at Amazon moving, inching into the delivery space. They're not looking to take on FedEx whole hog. Yet, but they, but, well, but they are looking to take on the ground division. Sure, and I think that uh, you know the past few years we've talked a lot about sort of the winners in e-commerce beyond Amazon, and, and millions of questions we take all the time in regard to FedEx and UPS and wonderfully run businesses. We've had right? questions from listeners about, hey. Who are the com- who are the publicly traded companies that make cardboard boxes? Sure, yeah, <laughs> yes. and it gets it gets to that level, and, and I mean I I love that that mode of thinking. I think the interesting thing though is that for the longest time we've talked about e-commerce beyond Amazon, and while FedEx and UPS were the sort of the obvious sort of names, uh, I don't think many people really considered Amazon from that perspective. Like we've always known Amazon as being the big sort of Market leader in e-commerce, and and now we know that it really is the market leader when it comes to cloud computing. Um, now we're getting some some ideas that really they they aim to be. Really, you have to assume the market leader when it comes to shipping and logistics as well. I mean, they're taking on that that line of work, yeah. and and this is very complementary to what they already do. So you know, you well, I was talking about like. You own you own stock in like you know Chipotle and Starbucks or whatever, and you know it's kind of nice because when you shop there, you're paying yourself. I mean, Amazon getting into that line of work and shipping and logistics, they're kind of paying themselves when it comes. I mean, that's just an investment in that greater e-commerce success that they've already witnessed. And I, as a shareholder, I couldn't be more enthusiastic about that move. Honestly, no. The move for the move into ground delivery and sort of the so-called last mile that makes sense to me. The and and Amazon isn't talking about this, so I maybe I shouldn't even raise this. But the whole idea of we're going to take on FedEx Air, 
and UPS Air. That's, Project Aerosmith. That's yeah, but that's one where I just go, uh, pl- please don't start building your own fleet of planes. Well, they're please. not. They were leasing. I mean, they're starting off small, right? I mean, they were figuring. Uh, let's let's see what what we could do maybe to make this better, right? I mean, that's kind of what well, Bezos and, is a problem Yeah, I mean, solver. and and if you if you read the Everything Store, the the Jeff Bezos unauthorized biography, you know, it, <laughs> very unauthorized. Uh, you know, it's amazing the the, the lengths to which Amazon did to to solve. The warehousing, the distribution, the inventory issues with Amazon's business. There is no doubt they can figure out the shipping and logistics business. They already have to a certain degree. And so I, I tell me they bought a bunch of planes, I still wouldn't doubt that and basis at all. We had talked previously about how, unlike past years where the iPad was the hot gadget, GoPro camera was the hot gadget, 2015 didn't really have a hot gadget, but now we find out that uh, maybe not as hot as those gadgets were, but it does appear uh, growing evidence that Fitbit mm-hmm. was the go-to gadget this year because we saw the fact that on iTunes, where they rank the free apps, uh, Fitbit vaulted to the top position of the most downloaded free app right after Christmas. So a lot of people getting Fitbits for Christmas. My oldest daughter got one, uh, and activating that. So uh, Fitbit stock up about six percent since Christmas Eve. That's that's not bad. Yeah, and I, I again I was looking. At, I just looked at the stock though over the past year, or I guess you know since they went uh, went, went public in, over the summer, and it's it's, it's basically flatlining. Um, it, it hit a high of over fifty, and it's now below thirty. It had it's it is one of those gifts I think that makes a very easy holiday gift, right? I mean, it's it, people look through the new year. It's like, oh, I want to get more active. There's a really good there's good technology, good a good app that can help me do that. And it's it's logical to see as soon as they get people get the Fitbits, they activate them, they they download the app. Uh, it's just I still I think we talked about earlier this year. I still question that business because I I, I had a Fitbit as well, and I I, loved, I kind of loved using it, figuring it out for the first few months, uh, and then I, all of a sudden it became a burden to kind of always remember to, to a charge it, to wear it, to track it, uh, and I, I felt as soon as I got rid of it. I felt I kind of felt free in a way, and it didn't really improve. Maybe it's because I'm, I'm a relatively active person, but it just didn't really add a lot of value to my physical life. I guess. See, I'm wondering if if Fitbit, uh, and I'm not suggesting it is going to have this kind of run as a stock or as a business, but America Online had a really nice run in the 1990s as a business and certainly as a stock, and. Pretty quickly into the internet age, there were criticisms of AOL as being too basic, and but it, it, a lot of people, particularly older people who were just figuring out what email was, they didn't need all the features of Microsoft Outlook or 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 any other email uh, system. They liked how basic and simple AOL was, and that was for many people their first way of getting online. And I'm wondering if Fitbit is somewhat analogous in that it's a great first step. It's a great starter, whether it's for younger people or for anyone who's just starting to think more about their health. Um, of course, the challenge, and you you indicated towards this, Maddie, the challenge for Fitbit is how do you grow beyond that? Because if you are the best in cl- you know best in class for basic fitness tracking, well, that's fine. But that's not as good as your best in class for basic fitness tracking, advanced fitness tracking, right, et cetera, et cetera. Where's the yeah? Where's the value chain after that? Right. It's one thing if someone gets a, a very simple Fitbit band, 
tracks the number of steps you know they take during a day or, or you know the, the amount of time they're they're active during the day or maybe it monitors their sleep those are all really great things i guess but where's the where are the dollars down the road for that for fitbit in terms of that person either buying you know more software more hardware from fitbit i, I get I, I get the entry level draw of the of the hardware for sure so i think honestly and i mean i'm gonna, i'm going to this is I know at some point or another, I when the Apple Watch was starting, you know, the news was coming out, and this thing was going to be a device that they were actually trying to sell. I said I thought it was a pretty stupid device, right? And I'm standing by that statement today. <laughs> Market foolery, listeners. As 2015 concludes, I still think the Apple Watch is a dumbass device. I think it's stupid. Okay, now where they could have really scored, I think they botched this from the from the get go because to me, the cost alone. Is too high of a barrier. You have people who are watch enthusiasts, and I would put myself as you know in, in that class. I'll never buy a wa- an Apple Watch because I am a watch enthusiast, and the Apple Watch is not really a watch. It's just a phone for your wrist. Okay? Had they done something like developed a dedicated fitness device and priced that thing like Fitbit is able to price their devices, I think they would have been far more successful because like Fitbit, okay. They Fitbit's basically kind of built on just that one device, right? And in the little ecosystem they can build, you know, within within that that device. Apple obviously they the, the the watch can completely fail and it won't matter to that business whatsoever. It's basically like the Apple TV. It's kind of just a hobby. But had they done something like what Fitbit has done, they could have sold far more devices and been far more involved with people's lives and sort of sort of growing maybe. Health awareness and people care more about sort of what they do and being active because, like you said, I mean, if you're generally active and healthy already, you don't need a device to kind of tell you that you are. Some people like that, most people don't, and I think the numbers kind of bear that out. You could buy a Fitbit for someone, and if they don't like it, well, you're out a hundred bucks, big deal. You can't do that same thing with the Apple Watch. So, with all of this stuff about talking about you know Apple potentially acquiring GoPro, which that could also happen, I'm not saying it wouldn't. I, I mean, I think Apple either should acquire. Fitbit, or should do something along that line. I think they would be far more successful in the wearable uh, wearables department if they if they built something that was dedicated for a purpose, as opposed to something that's just trying to basically be something you already have, just smaller. Well, it's a question of it's a question. Do you yeah, like you said, do you solve for the mass market, or do you solve for the dedicated sports active fitness enthusiast? And so you know, for example. One thing that saved Garmin, you know, Garmin for a long time was uh, was just known for its you know its GPS devices that you put on your dashboard. Or, uh, but really, what saved Garmin after that kind of imploded was their fitness uh, devices. I mean, Garmin is by far the leader in in you know sort of outdoor, especially running, but also mountaineering and hiking those kind of devices for uh, wristbands. And so, yeah, I mean, if you Fitbit might be the answer, but I'd say maybe Apple should look at something like Garmin, which has had just tremendous success building very. Good, smart, dedicated devices for specific markets. Maybe that's something that they'll learn from. Because I've always felt like the Apple Watch, and I make fun of it, saying it's stupid. Uh, but perhaps the the technology from that device leads to a better product. I'm certain that that it will. And maybe we see in 2016, Apple kind of says, "Okay, wait, let's try something else. Let's approach this from a different tact, and let's build a dedicated fitness device." Price it to where it can attract the the masses because that brand already people love to be able to own an Apple device. A lot of people do at least, and uh, I feel like at least then you have the opportunity to reel more people in than you would with sort you know sort of a prohibitive prohibitively priced device in the Apple Watch. That's like three hundred ninety nine dollars, I think, for the very baseline watch there, and just so many people are not going to take that leap of faith. 
especially you know when we've seen a lot of feedback already that it's not really that attractive of a device, even from the Apple fanboys out there. Couple of notes before we get to our final story. Uh, first, thank you to Chris Swift from the San Francisco Bay Gourmet Coffee Company for sending just boxes of coffee pods before Christmas. Uh, Ron Gross's comment uh, on the Motley Fool Money Radio Show recently that uh, Keurig makes a weak cup of coffee. Uh, Chris said, "Hey, <laughs> we, we we got a stronger cup of coffee for you." So so thank you to that. Nice, and, Chris. Uh, and thank you again to Michael Fox and Rob McGregor, uh, Motley Fool One members who visited last week uh, after Market Foolery wrapped up. They handed me a lovely package of delicacies from the Netherlands, including chocolate and holiday cookies, and some excellent Dutch whiskey, Ooh. Millstone, which is a phenomenal single malt. It's at my desk. Well, we're just, I'm just, we're hearing about this now. Don't it's give me that. A, look. It's been a week. It's at my desk. It's probably half done. No, we'll we'll, we'll go we'll go celebrate New Year's early right, right. after this. Yeah, right after this. Speaking of New Year's Eve. What are you doing New Year's Eve? Because Olive Garden has an offer for you. The Olive Garden in Times Square, New York City. Uh, it's it's probably it's probably nicely priced as your your basic Olive Gardens are around the, the world. But uh, New Year's Eve, it's four hundred dollars to eat at Olive Garden. Uh, you can enjoy the buffet, the open bar, and a DJ, and uh, then you can. Step outside and watch the ball drop. I don't know. I sh- I shared this uh, with a couple of people, and they said, "You know what? This actually isn't a bad deal." This, no, I, like, I, I don't uh, think it's a bad deal at all. The proximity to w- watching Price the ball line. drop. Location, location's key. Yeah. Location is key. Open bar, uh, restroom facilities. Let's face it. When you you know when it's New Year's Eve and you turn on the television to watch the ball drop, and you see those throngs of people on New Year's Eve. Who well, I was gonna say normally they're they're just freezing their butts off this yeah. year. Who knows? It's probably not gonna be all that cold. But uh, but they're uh, well, they don't have access to uh, the the bathroom facilities like the people at Olive Garden oh, are going to. Very very important. And I mean, I, I will say like we were in New York City last year, um, right as I mean, I guess we left. New Year's Eve. We came home the morning of New Year's Eve, and so we start. We saw we were staying at a hotel about a mile from the train station, and like you could see, they were blocking everything off. So yeah, location wise, God, that is that's not a bad deal. Four hundred bucks to you, you can okay. have a decent evening. Let's let's face it. The fact that it's Olive Garden charging four hundred right, bucks. Yeah. That's that's well, the, that's the thing that is people going. What? <laughs> now, no offense. So no offense to Steve Broido, our normal man behind the glass, who loves Olive Garden, and no offense to Olive Garden itself or any fans, but. Could you just imagine saying, "What are you doing for New Year's Eve?" Yeah. Well, I'm going to Olive Garden. It'd be one they got this like, great thing. <laughs> Olive Garden, in like you know, just, Omaha, Nebraska. I, I, you're right. It is Times Square. <laughs> I didn't City, even know. I didn't even like, know there's an Olive Garden in Times Square, by the way. So it, great. It, I'm sure it'll sell out because I mean, it's just a small place, right? I mean, it can't be that big. Yeah, and according assume. according to one story I saw, there was uh, there was someone quoted as saying uh, that last year people were scalping tickets. That they that they like got their tickets wow. and then they were you know selling them for even more. So I don't know. I mean, I think I think if you just heard, oh, restaurant X is in Times Square. They've got an open bar. They've got food bathrooms. They've got a dedicated area outside the restaurant that's just cordoned off, where just those people who are inside the restaurant and it's four hundred bucks. 
Yeah, that sounds like a good deal. That almost sounds sure. intriguing. Now. See, do they have any? Do they have any tickets left? <laughs> I don't know, but you we know, should all go. Steve I feel like Olive Garden has attained cult status, and I'd like to think we had a little something to do Steve with that. Steve Broido has snapped up the last tickets. I'm sure. <laughs> Can I tack one thing on here? Yes. And this is completely on a personal note. But yes. Today is is my uh, mine and my wife's our wedding anniversary. Uh, what number are you celebrating? Uh, well, this is the big one four. Okay, so 14 years that she's put up with me, and I've given her plenty of reasons to not want to put she up. She deserves with me, I'm sure. some props for that. Uh, I just want to say. Happy anniversary, Robin. I love you very, very much, and I am grateful every day that I have you in my life, and I look forward to many, many wonderful years to come. Here's to the next 14. I bet you got some hearts. There's some hearts (laughs) bursting on (laughs) As as we periscope this, uh, can you share what you've already uh, given her for your anniversary, or is she going to hear this? Because she listens. Is she going to hear this? I'll encourage her. I'll nudge her to listen. I think she she checks them out every once in a while. Um, so, you know, I mean, this comes at a very, very busy time of year. Obviously, we have Christmas. I have a birthday right after Christmas. Then we have our wedding anniversary. Then we have a daughter's birthday, all within this 10, 10 day window. You got, um, our, you got our Starbucks <coughs> gift card. Well, we've gotten already a lot of stuff for each other. So, typically with wedding anniversaries, we tend to just kind of celebrate each other. I, I will say I did uh, leave this morning. She's not home yet. The girls in. in you're coming home from the river today, and um, so I left a dozen roses on the nice chest of drawers with a card, and just sort of professing my love and, nice. uh, and thanking her for putting up with me. That's the, and oh, then we'll you, go out to dinner tonight. You, know, and, you, you can know, never go wrong with a dozen roses. No, 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 no. And I mean, we try not to make too big of a deal. Uh, you know, it's kind of kind of wrapping up the holiday season, so to speak, for us. But uh, you know, it's always always a nice time of year, and I get to kind of wrap it up in style. Nice. Congrats. Thanks, Thanks for being here, guys. Appreciate it. Thanks, Chris. As always, people on the program may have interest in the stocks they talk about, and The Motley Fool may have formal recommendations for or against. So, no buy or sell stocks based solely on what you hear. That's going to do it for this edition of Market Foolery. The show is mixed by Dan Boyd. I'm Chris Hill. Thanks for listening. We'll see you tomorrow. 